You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? What is up? You're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Hope everyone had a good weekend. I had one of the busiest weekends of my life because I spent the entire weekend moving. And for whatever reasons, I decided to move by myself. And my back is on fire. It is killing me. I actually contemplated doing this episode laying down like Steve Nash in the Lakers uniform with the heat pack on my back. I started off trying to record in my old apartment because I still have the Wi-Fi connected and the echo was so terrible that it sounded like I was recording in the empty hallway by myself. So now I am currently in my new apartment in a makeshift studio. I'm literally sitting here with my laptop on a bookcase and a microphone on another bookcase sitting in a chair. But that's enough about my weekend. Hopefully everyone had a good weekend like I mentioned. But before I get started, this episode is brought to you by Mondays on Locked On NBA. Start your week with the latest NBA news and game recaps on Locked On NBA. It is my man, Josh Lloyd, the host of the number one fantasy basketball basketball podcast in the world, not in your state, in the world. And Josh is from Australia. He records live in Australia. So it's, it's not just something that they're saying, but Locked On Fantasy Basketball takes around you, takes you around the world to major headlines with the help of our local experts. Follow Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get your podcast. And in today's episode, I would like to talk about, and this is not in any exact order. I mean, I haven't really narrowed it down to like my, my top 10 in order, but I'm going to give you my top 10 prospects for the 2022 NBA draft. But instead of breaking it down by what they do well, I'm going to discuss some areas of concerns or some red flags that could prevent them from being the top five pick or top 10 pick. And one of just the the areas that I have noticed in film that could concern me and prevent them from, I guess, reaching their maximum ceiling as a draft pick. All right, let's start off with Chet Holmgren. A lot of people have Chet as the number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft, even though there are some that have a few other guys that are, that they think can challenge him. So if you don't know about Chet, he's this agile, coordinated, skilled for a size, shooting touch. And if you listen to past episodes, I assume you've, you've heard my, my scouting reports on Chet. But one of the areas that concerns me the most is his frame. I mean, he has a really skinny frame, narrow shoulders, and you wonder if his frame can handle the the NBA punishment. And I know the game is not as physical as it was in the past, and he definitely has the skill set to 
to to thrive in today's NBA. But you just have to wonder about his frame. Can he hold up? And also at his free throw shooting. For a guy that shoots so well, he's not a really good free throw shooter. Not bad, but he he's not like this super high percentage free throw shooter that that um, I, I would have expected for a guy like I said that shoots the ball as well as he does. And in the FIBA under 19s, which he just played in a, I guess it was back in July. We're already in September. He won MVP. And I, I personally thought Francis Victor Wimbayama was the was the most valuable player in, in that particular tournament. But Chet only shot 66% from the foul line. Again, it's not terrible, but I would like to see a guy with his shooting touch and, and stroke shoot around 75 to 80%. He got to the, the the foul line 21 times in this particular tournament. So that is another area of concern. And then um, lastly, I guess you can say it, it goes into his frame is he may struggle with physicality in today's NBA. And I've heard this saying that the position that you are in today's NBA is the position you can guard. Now, Chet is an excellent rim protector. I mean, he he dominated on the defensive end, on the high school and the AU ranks. But I wonder, can he play the five in, in today's NBA? No, he's not going to be able to check like a Jokic or an Embiid or even like, you know, a guy like Enos Cantor. But he may be best suited to defend fours earlier in his career. So I guess you'd have to pair him with a a another five. So, I mean, I've seen the comparisons to to Kristaps Porzingis. But I think for me, again, I'm just kind of nitpicking here. This is an area of concern for me and is mostly related to his frame. The next player who a lot of people think is the best player in 2022 it is Paolo Banchero he is going to be a freshman at Duke offensively he's as versatile as it gets he can he's, he's actually unlike Chet he has a great frame he's a physical presence he can handle the ball and when I say he's unlike Chet I'm talking more so from the physical aspect and he can do a lot on the offensive end now as far as areas of concern that I have the one that stands out to me the most is he is not an elite or explosive athlete. That's not something that is, you know, is going to knock him down too far. But I think that he's more powerful than quick. I'm curious to see how he plays on the college level where guys are a little bit older and stronger. And he still should be able to, to dominate physically. But he won't be as physically dominant as he was in the high school and AAU ranks. Um, he's also a below-the-rim finisher. He has a tendency to pick up his dribble. And I think that one of the reasons why he has a tendency to pick up his dribble in traffic is because he lacks the ideal first step to really get to the rim. So there are times where he's looking to get to the rim. He just doesn't have that vertical pop or explosiveness. And he ends up picking up his dribble. But once he does, he, he's able to find guys because he's an excellent passer. Um, again, so my, my notes on him is tendency to pick up his dribble. He's more powerful than quick. Not an explosive athlete. He's a below-the-rim finisher. And again, lacks the ideal athleticism. 
you would like for a guy that is arguably the best player in college basketball. All right, I would like to talk to you about sweat block. Now, I'll tell you my reasons why I like sweat block, but it is doctor created. It is doctor recommended. It works for up to seven days per use. Guarantees you a dry shirt. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you can get your money back. It is featured and tested on the Rachel Ray show by firefighters. It's the bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. Has over 13,000 reviews. And it is also manufactured in the USA. And with sweat block, it's something that you have to have in your toiletry bag, whether it's you're going on a hot date or you're going into a hot city like Vegas. Right? I live in Dallas where it's super hot in the summertime. Here's a few things that I want you to know about sweat block. It is stronger and it's more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply just apply it at night before bedtime. And you go to bed. And the next morning you wake up, you wash, and you go about your day without having to worry about being sweaty. Guaranteed, it keeps you dry. I know it sounds too good to be true, but you literally only have to use sweat blocks once or twice a week. And it would keep you dry the whole time. No more pitting out. No more picking my shirts based off of which one will hide the sweat better. I know like I have a tendency to wear black in the summertime because I don't want to wear gray because... You know, you get a bunch of pit stains when you wear gray or, or you, you look, you know, you, your armpits look wet. So yeah, I can wear gray shirts in the summertime. So if there's someone that you love that is dealing with this, check out Sweatblock. You can get 20% off at sweatblock.com. Use the promo code locked on or you can find it on Amazon at or at CVS. Quick question. Does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that lets you watch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're also trying to watch sports highlights on your phone. And you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. But I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without the hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It is called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of all the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Of course, you have to have a compatible device. All right, you're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBADraftJunkies.com. And in this episode, I am breaking down the red flags or areas of concern for the players that many are projecting to land in the top 10. The next player I want to cover is Jalen Hardy. Hardy will be playing for the G League Ignite. He is a scoring machine I mean he puts the ball in the bucket and it kind of made me wonder all right so Jalen Hardy is projected to be a top five pick in today's or and sorry in the 2022 NBA draft is his ability to I guess handle the ball and maybe play a little bit of point guard and I've seen the comparisons to Jalen Green and I mean I've seen it a lot 
but he may be closer to Cam Thomas than Jalen Green. I think he's a better playmaker than uh, than, than Cam Thomas, but he may be a little bit closer to Cam Thomas to me, in my opinion. And so basically his ability to possibly play point is the reason why he's projected to go as high. As, I mean, some people think he can go number one, but over 20 positions or 20 slots higher than Cam Thomas went in the previous draft. But anyway, as far as Jalen Hardy, like I said, he is a scoring machine. I mean, he put up crazy numbers when he did play high school. He opted out and to he didn't finish his uh, his senior year. As far as my concerns is that a large majority of his shots are tough, contested pull-ups off the dribble. Now, he is a long-range shooter. He does have shot creation ability. I've actually seen some people compare him to James Harden. So I've seen everything from Jalen Green to James Harden. And even though, like, on paper, if I'm not mistaken, he averaged about eight assists per game, there are some concerns about him being, like, a ball stopper, someone that takes really bad shots but it's again like I say this is nitpicking I love really really confident players and one thing Jalen Hardy is is extremely confident and sometimes guys that are as gifted as he is when it comes to putting the ball in the basket have like this irrational confidence to where they take really really tough and bad shots so that's a, a concern and although he is a, a a good athlete, he's not like Jalen Green athlete. Again, who who is? But he he is a guy that I didn't see him at least in the film I watch. He didn't attack the rim as much as I personally would like. I felt like if he had a guy on the island, you knew that he was going to kind of dance and kind of boogie his way to his sweet spots and he likes to pull up. So one of the concerns I have is, and it's similar to what I, I had with Jalen Green, which Jalen Green obviously um, eliminated those concerns, but can Jalen Hardy, does his style of play of taking tough, contested pull-up jumpers, how is that going to work on the G League Ignite team. Now, I know the team is, they, they definitely want to put him in the best position to succeed and probably more so than ever with so much competition with overtime and you got the NIL is, is you know, making college basketball a, an attractive destination for guys that are looking to make money. And so I know the G League really needs him to have a good year and succeed if they want to continue to have guys that are projected as highly as he is to to be in their program. But yeah, it's one just it's just one of my concerns about his style of play, his shot selection. Is he going to be efficient in the G League? I thought there were times where Jalen Green was, and again, it's a comparison I keep using. Jalen Green's athleticism allowed him to get to where he wanted on the floor, while Jalen Hardy. Speaking of names, like how many more Jalens do we have? I know there's one more guy in this podcast named Jalen, but Jalen Hardy. Like I said, he just prefers to shoot contested pull-up jumpers, and I'm curious to see how it translates in the the G League. All right, the next player that I want to talk about is ironically named Jalen. I don't even know if ironically is the word. It's almost 1 o'clock in the morning, and again, I'm exhausted from all the moving. But Jalen Duran is someone that is also being rumored or 
projected to possibly go number one. He is a physical specimen, 7'5 wingspan. He is an explosive athlete, runs the floor, plays a little bit of bully ball, has an old school game. And that is one of my concerns is, does his old school game translate? Now, he can dominate due to physicality and activity. He's definitely a force to be reckoned with because he can just beat you on the offensive glass, beat you with just being physically stronger than than everyone else. But as far as skill set, like what skill set does he have outside of being a physically imposing athlete? He's still raw. I think that he needs to work on his left hand. He doesn't have very many post moves. His touch around the rim is inconsistent. He's definitely shown some flashes of being able to knock down like baby hooks or little jabs in the post, but his touch is really inconsistent at this point. He has a tendency to play out of control, but I haven't really seen, at least in games, the shooting range. Now, I've seen some workout videos where he, you know, is knocking down, you know, jump shots from the elbows and all that, but he also only shot 33% on post-ups in the EYBL, and this is this past summer, so that's an area of concern for me in a red flag is what happens if he is not able to physically dominate guys just with his size? Like, what is the skill set that he brings to the table? I don't think he's as skilled as DeAndre Ayton was. Now, I know James Wiseman was the number one pick, but I still think Wiseman may have been a little little bit more more skilled, just a little bit more skilled. So, those are my areas of concern for Jalen Duran, who's going to Memphis. Um, I, I forgot to mention that. I'm curious to see what Penny Hardaway does. All right, the next player that I want to talk about is Caleb Houston. He is from Canada, and he's going to University of Michigan. He has good size and frame at 6'8". Pretty good athlete, confident shooter. Just does a little bit of everything well. Very well-rounded athlete, and as far as concerns, I'd say at this point he is a streaky shooter. He's a good shooter, but he's still a little streaky, and I think that he settles for a lot of jumpers. When I watched this film at the under-19s, I felt like, well, one, he, he wasn't efficient at all from the floor, and I didn't think he was a really good athlete. I thought he was fluid and smooth, but I didn't think he was like, you know, an explosive athlete. I feel like he lacks vertical pop and explosiveness around the rim doesn't have a great step and it's not really a elite finisher in traffic at this point in his career I still think he'll be fine I mean because he just like I said he does a little bit of everything he does show some flashes of being able to pull up off the dribble again at 6'8 he's a good ball handler could possibly be like a a third ball, maybe even secondary ball handler. He can get downhill, but he needs a ball screen. So like I said, one of my concerns is he just doesn't have this elite explosiveness, athleticism, or a great first step. All right, the next player that I want to cover is Yannick Sosa. I've been talking about Sosa on the past few podcasts. He is a raw seven footer or if he's not seven foot he's close to seven foot he's only been playing for about five years he is from the Congo and he is currently playing in Spain um, great athlete 
as far as like fluidity and his size, long, he has a great motor, shows flash of being able to put the ball on the floor, has good touch around the rim, and he just plays hard. I think that's probably his best asset on the offensive end of the floor is that he plays hard, makes hustle plays, and he has good touch. As far as areas of concern, he's still a little raw, even though he's like polished and raw at the same time. I know it probably doesn't make sense, but if you listen to the podcast from last week, um, uh, me and my guy Ignacio Risotto definitely had a lot to say about Sosa. But like I said, he's he's super skinny, um, doesn't really show great shooting range at, at this point. Uh, even when he does shoot the ball from deep, he has a slow shot. He may need to change his form. Um, he's left-hand dominant at this point, doesn't really have a right hand. And even when he shoots like his his like shots, it's, it's like his weird touch shot. It's kind of like some Antoine Jameson. Like, you know, he, he it's not like a hook, but it's, it's just like these weird angles on his layups. Um, again, he's raw. Um, Gets a lot of turnovers on screens from moving the screens, but that definitely can be fixed with with a little bit more experience. Um, like I said, good athlete. He's fluid, um, not like a crazy explosive athlete, but that's you know that's that's really not not too big of a concern to me in my opinion. But it's more so how raw he is. I mean, he's expected to make a big jump this year with a little bit more experience. I know he's only been playing basketball for about five years. So if he doesn't make a big jump, and he may end up playing behind Michael Eric. Michael Eric is a guy that had a little cup of coffee in the NBA, played in the G League, but he's had a pretty good career in Spain. And so there's a chance that Sosa could end up playing behind Michael Eric, which could slow down his his development. So those are my concerns for Yannick Sosa. All right, when we return, I will round out four more guys that I think could end up as potential guys that could be selected in the top 10. But let's talk about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now literally impossible for your local chain or auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So it doesn't even really make sense to endure the pointless and intimidating questioning of what type of car model do you have? Is it the ESV or is it the EXT or whatever? So why not just save time and money and use rockauto.com? Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, and even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or even a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business that is serving do-it-yourselfers or it has been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could want or need for your car. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now, and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. So they would know that we sent you rockauto.com has amazing selection, reliably low prices in all the parts your car will ever need. And that is rockauto.com. The next player that I want to discuss as a potential top 10 pick that I have some concerns about. And it is AJ Griffin. And I've seen some people feel like AJ Griffin is a lock to be a top five pick he's also going to duke 
He has good size for a wing. Very strong frame. He's actually kind of built like his dad. Good slasher. Has good form. Um, upside as a pull-up shooter. High IQ. Good feel for the game. You can tell that he's a coach's son in a sense. Like He just definitely has a, a pace and advanced feel for the game. Now, as far as his areas of concern... When I watch this film, in my opinion, he's too straight up on his drives, doesn't necessarily get low. He was able to drive by guys on the high school level because he's so strong. I mean, this is like a, a weird class where we have a bunch of guys that dominated due to their physicality and strength more so than their athleticism. I think that his shot or the release on his shot is a little low. Um, he's definitely has some injury concerns. I mean, there's not a lot of film on him, especially high level film. And he also, to me, doesn't have elite quickness or speed. It's not a really explosive athlete. And even on his pull-ups, he seems like he's not getting a lot of lift. I've seen comparisons to Jimmy Butler. And if you look at Jimmy Butler's scattering report, I'm pretty sure you would hear some of the same concerns because Jimmy Butler is not like this super crazy explosive athlete. And, you know, like athleticism is, is something that is, is very valued, but it could be overrated. It, it definitely could be overrated as far as valuing prospects. And it seems like we're going to have a, a draft class. We're going to have maybe even five or six guys that are projected to go in the top 10 that are not like freakish athletes. I mean, even if you look at like Kate Cunningham last year, one of the concerns, if, if probably the only really concern that people had about him was he didn't have like this elite first step or blow by speed and only time will tell if that has an impact on him reaching the ceiling all right the next player that i want to talk about is jabari smith he is a power forward slash center who is that he's from the atlanta area but he is going to auburn now jabari is someone that when i watched this film I'd say I saw more flashes and upside than I was impressed with his game. He's agile, he's skilled, shows flashes of being able to put the ball on the floor. He can handle in the open floor. He is good in transition, has an upside as a shooter. Yeah, he, he's actually a pretty good shooter at this point. He does show that he can possibly rebound and run. He, I think that he has a a role in today's NBA as a switchy defender that can protect the rim and be a pick-and-pop guy. He can also attack some closeouts. Concerns, again, it's like it's the, the common theme here. Either a player that I've mentioned is not a great athlete or he's too skinny. And so Jabari falls under the, the skinny, the skinny label. Um, I noticed that he doesn't really do well finishing through contact. And in my opinion, this is just my opinion, I think he just settles for way too many jumpers. His game is very, very predictable. It's pick and pop or shoot a three. Uh, or if not, then he's going to face up. And I mean, I could be just kind of, I don't know. I mean, Motor is something I didn't think that he had like a great motor. I didn't think he showed like a lot of toughness and I felt like he was 
just allergic to the paint. Just a lot of jump shots, pick and pops. And, um, you know, that, that could definitely be his role. I've seen the comparisons to Jaron Jackson Jr., who I think is, is good. But I wasn't really high on Jackson coming out. I thought he was a little raw, but I was definitely wrong about him. Um, as far as, like, uh, Jabari, it, it's weird that you see a guy who is who has his size and I think he's a pretty good athlete. It's just, I, I want to say just the, the games that I saw, I didn't see a dunk. And I probably watched maybe like four games. And he's like a, a good athlete, but he's a below-the-rim finisher. Again, for some people, that may not be a big deal as long as the basket. The ball goes in the basket. But I think he's more fluid and agile than explosive. And also didn't really see much of a, a passer out of him. All right, the next player that I want to talk about is Peyton Watson. And Watson is a somewhat of a late bloomer. He's someone that kind of came out of nowhere a couple years ago. He's long with a lanky frame, has good passing instincts and feel. I thought that at the under-19s, he played too unselfish. He was passing up shots to get his teammates involved, which is not always a bad thing. Now, he is a good athlete. He's quick twitch. Well, he has, you know, the quick twitch athleticism. He's bouncy. He has a good first step. He has speed with the ball. He has the things that a lot of guys are missing. And as far as areas of concern, actually, I'll get into areas of concern later on. But I think he could be a, a really good pick and roll threat. Um, he's definitely a guy that's a, a good rebounder. He can rebound and turn missed shots into personal fast breaks. I like his motor. He rebounds in traffic. I think he's going to be able to defend multiple positions. Now let's get to the areas of concern. And a common thing, he's skinny. He needs to put on some weight. He's very lightweight. And his shooting range. I think that the the biggest concern I have is that he seems like he's best with the ball in his hands. But if you have to play him off the ball, how will his lack of shooting affect spacing? I thought at the under-19s, he was hesitant to shoot. Like if he had an open shot, he would drive into traffic and then pass, a lot of times overpassing. But I think the biggest issue that he has is his shooting, and he may struggle playing off the ball. And the last and final prospect that I want to cover is Patrick Baldwin Jr. and uh, he had an interesting choice of going to uh, I guess it's called the University of Milwaukee now I remember when it was called like Milwaukee Wisconsin but he's going to go play for his father I think he has good size and mobility he's agile moves well projects to be a really good shooter and that's his reputation as a good shooter even though he did not he did not shoot the ball well at the under 19s at first glance, I thought that he had the frame to possibly, possibly place some small ball five because he's such a, a good shooter and then he has the passing instincts and he's a good ball mover. And I thought that he could be a weapon at, at, at the five. I think that he can post up, not, not like centers, but I think he can post up and exploit mismatches against smaller defenders. And then he can also put the ball on the floor as, as a straight line driver on closeouts. The areas of concern. At the under-19s, I felt like he had very 
very little, if any, impact on the games. Now, I know this was like an all-star type team, so his role was a lot different than it will be, to, especially at, at the University of Milwaukee. I did not like the fact that 28 of his 44 shots were threes. I thought that he could probably do a little bit more as far as like spreading out his shot selection. He's also not like a super explosive vertical athlete and he's a below the rim finisher. Now, some think that he has upside as a shot creator, got to create his own shot. I think that he may be able to do it at the at, at the college level, especially that he's because he's not playing in like a, a power five, but I think it could be a concern there. But overall, I think that all of these guys are still going to end up in the top 10, even though every year around this time, we have our list of guys that we project to go in the top 10. And the last few years, the man, we've been wrong. So curious to see how, how different this top 10 looks four or five months from now, maybe even three months from now. But again, this is Raphael with Locked on NBA Draft. Thank you for listening. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. The host, Peter Bukowski, updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, thanks again. It's Raphael Locked On NBA Draft. And I'm out.